Yeah, our children are going to go to their time. Miss Bev has a has a great lesson prepared for them. And while they're learning about Jesus, um, we might as well do the same. You know, heck, why not? Let's get into the Word together and let's see what God has to say to us. So if you have a Bible's turn to um, the book of Acts, that's where we're going to be for the next um, two to three months, actually, as we, we walk with uh, we walk with the, the early disciples, um, kind of try to get into their sandals, so to speak, and figure out what, what, it, what was it that made them the church? What was it that made them witnesses? How did, how did God work among them in order to bring about not just a, a, a movement, a, a, not just the church in itself, in its organization, but how he used these people to really transform and change the entire world. And, um, and it's pretty exciting. Last week we looked at, we looked at the beginning of the, of the story of, of the church. The beginning of uh, the story of really witness. And um, we saw how Jesus prepared the disciples, sent them out. Um, or, or gave them a mission I should say. And then they, and they said, be ready, get ready. Do some things to prepare for the mission. Remember what, remember what uh, Jesus said that they should do? Uh, and what did they do in order to prepare and to be faithful to that? They prayed. They prayed. They, they waited. They waited for, the, Jesus said to wait for power, to, to go back to Jerusalem specifically. And, and they were in with, with one accord, the Bible says, and they were devoted to prayer. So, the reason why we, we kind of want to recap that is because what, what the disciples do next is, is fully on the heels of that prayer and, and, and the being in one accord with each other and being with one accord with each other. Um, Cheryl and I went out on a date last night it was it was probably one of the more unusual dates we've ever been on. Uh, we said, "Well, let's go out on a date. Um, why don't we go watch one of our church family's daughters play softball? That'll be a good date." So that's what we did. <laughs> so we went out on a date, like like we usually do. We go out on these dates, and then I'm like, "Well, okay, um, let's let's find some dessert somewhere." Have you, you, you guys have all been on probably outings like that, maybe with a friend or with a spouse or, or uh, some other significant other. And then you've said, so where do you want to go? Uh, where do you want to eat? Uh, where do you want some dessert? Or what do you feel like? Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe this. Or I, I kind of, I don't know. Maybe some fast food. Or, well, it's this time of day or this time of night. So, you know, we probably should do this or probably should do that. And anyone have trouble deciding? Yeah, yeah. We, we um, sometimes go back and forth. We'll end up driving from one end of the city to the other and then back and, and until we make up our minds. Um, Making a decision like that is not always easy. But wh what, what happens though when the decisions that we need to make are uh, life-affecting? The big decisions. Like, uh, who, who should I marry? Uh, where should I go to uh, school? 
college or university? What career path should I choose? Is God calling me into ministry? <laughs> uh, should I go to seminary or not? Or what, what church should I be a part of? Where, what city should I live in? All of those decisions we make on a regular basis. Really important decisions. The, the, the challenge here is, how do we know God's will in that decision? How do we know? Do we just kind of line everything up? Compare pros and cons? Kind of make the best decision we can? Ask some friends? Phone a, phone a friend? Um, ask the studio audience? Make the decision? How do, we, how do we decide those big decisions? The apostles here in the story that we're going to look at today were faced with a very important decision. And I think the way that they made the decision, the way that they came to a conclusion on what to decide, I think, is very tra I think it's very transformative for us. And if we can learn from them, then we'll have an idea about when we are faced with those big decisions, what do we do? How do we do? How do we do it? Let me, let me read. So if you, uh, hopefully you have Acts by now. I've given you plenty of time to find it. Um, Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read at verse 15. Verse 15 through the end of the chapter. So follow along with me as I read aloud. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And said, Brothers... The scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now, this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle <clears throat> and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. Peter goes on, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to the resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was called Justus, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, you, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we look more closely at this word, that you will speak to us through it, that your Holy Spirit will give us understanding. And Lord, that you will not just give us understanding to, to know, but God, that you will give us your Holy Spirit power to obey and to walk in it. And Lord, to repent of anything that's in our lives, anything at all, no matter how significant or how small, Repent of it and turn to you and put our faith 
fully in you and experience the joy of obedience to you and to this word. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What did Peter do? What did Peter do first here? Notice how um, Peter stands up. They, they've been praying. Don't forget that, verse 14. I mean, this is, this is a, 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 a little bit different scene. It's, a, it's, uh, it's connected in a, in a kind of unusual way. Uh, Luke says, in those days... Peter stood up. So in, in other words, it was those, that period of time between the ascension and, well, what happens next in chapter 2. But in that period of time when they were with one accord, they were all together, they were in the upper room, and they were praying, it's in that context that Peter says, you know, I was reading in the Bible... And the other day, as we were singing some of, our, some of the songs from our hymn book, which for them would have been the book of Psalms, he said, you know, I just realized that the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. He's reflecting on all the things that had happened. He was reflecting on the fact that Judas had betrayed Jesus, had had him arrested, and all of this terrible stuff had gone on, gone on. And he realizes that, you know what, what we really ought to do is we really ought to check out what God's Word says. We really ought to know what God's Word said, and we really ought to decide God's will based on the Bible. Based on the Bible. We ought to decide God's will based on the Bible. The scripture, he says, had to be fulfilled. Then he lists later on, he says in verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms. So he was reading the Psalms or they were singing these Psalms together. And he realizes, you know, what the Bible says has something to do with the decision that I need to make and that we all need to make together. I wonder um, how often we face a decision and we immediately go straight to God's Word, how many times does that actually happen with, with most of us? We're, we're most likely to, to um, think through, plan it out, um, work the angles, and try to make a decision based on that before we really go to what God's Word has to say. I think, I think Peter knew something here that, um, that we as, 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 as a church have been trying to say for centuries. Not, obviously not just the River Church, but the church in history has been trying to say that the Bible has something to say about every area of our life that it is completely relevant to whatever's going on in whatever situation we are in. It is true no matter where we're at. The, the Bible is true no matter who we are, at what age we are, or what place we, we live in, or what time we live in. The Bible has something to say to us. And Peter understood that, that in deciding God's will, we've got to base it on what the Bible has to say. We've got to base it on what the Bible has to say. Notice, though, um, that as we're trying to 
as we're trying to base our decisions on what the Bible has to say, it's important to understand what Scripture is actually saying and how it's saying it. Um, I don't know if you noticed this as we read through this, but verse 20, as he quotes the book of Psalms, says this, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. This refers to, this is, this is from Psalm 69, and he's talking about the enemies of, of, of God's people. He's talking about the enemies of God's people, and he's pers- the, the psalmist is personifying it in one person. May that person, his camp, his tent, his, his place become desolate. Nobody's living there anymore. No growth, no nothing. And then he says, let no one, there be no one to dwell in it. So, in other words, my enemies who live in this place, they have a home, they have a city, whatever. God, you know, they have been oppressing us. Make that place just go away and no one to ever dwell in it again. Nobody ever rebuild that place again, ever. Make it a ghost town. But then he says, he says, well, there's another psalm. From Psalm, what was it? Psalm, it's in my notes here. Psalm 109. And it says, let another take his office. Well, now it sounds like he's saying, hey, that, that place is empty. Um, let's get another person to fill it. <laughs> let's get another person in that place. Sometimes we will read the Bible and we'll study it and we'll go, well, um, I'm reading one thing here and I'm reading another thing here and I feel like I'm getting maybe contradictory messages. Like, which one should I choose? Which one is true? Which one is right? And I would say with Peter, and I think Peter would agree with this, they're both right. They're both right. They're both true. The disciples, the last thing the disciples needed was another betrayer. The last thing the disciples needed was another person to come in to abandon them, to betray them, to, uh, to bring disrespect or dis- disgrace on Jesus and on his mission. The last thing they needed was another Judas. But, but Peter understood that by this other, from this other scripture that the, the twelve apostles uh, was, was something that, that Jesus had ordained, that God had planned ahead of time to take place. And that, but with only 11, they'd be incomplete. That there was, there was a need there. There was a need to have a 12th apostle to fulfill Scripture. So they didn't need another Judas, but they needed another witness. They needed another faithful witness. A faithful witness to Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. It's, a, it's not easy. It's not easy to discern God's will. And it's not easy to read the Bible and always understand exactly what it says. I will, I will read and reread three or four or five times over to try to get some meaning and to figure out, God, what, what in the world are you trying to say here? That's not easy. So that's why deciding God's will um, includes some other things as well. 
And it includes this. Look at verses 21 and 22 with me. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with, from the baptism of John, which was the beginning of Jesus' ministry, until the day when he was taken up from us, that's his ascension, one of these men must become with us a witness to what? The resurrection. A witness to his resurrection. See, what... What Peter was reminding the apostles of, and it's the kind of thing that, <clears throat> woe be it to me if I don't remind you of week by week as we gather together, and that is our mission. Peter understood the mission of the apostles was witness. Acts 1.8 You will be my witnesses. That was all important. When we make decisions and when we're trying to discern God's will, we have to base it on what He has called us to do. We discern God's will based on the mission. See, God's will is not for you to do anything that's going to be contrary to the mission He's called you to. To the calling that, you, that He has on your life. He's not going to do that. When you discern that this is what God wants me to do, um, uh, that is, if you are a believer in Christ, He wants you to be a witness. How is your decision, how is the choice that you're making going to help you be a better witness? My wife, um, you, as you know, has shared recently um, that that God has really kind of put her in this position to work at this local coffee place, um, to work at our, our, our Mugshots Cafe here. And um, by the way, make sure you get some coffee because that was provided for us by Mugshots. So uh, just a shout out to them. That's now it's official because it's being recorded. So they get official plug in the sermon. Um, but she's made a decision to that to that end, like, I'm going to go ahead and volunteer my time there. And then before long, it was like, well, we really ought to pay you. Well, okay, I'll, then maybe this would be good too. <laughs> yeah. get, get reimbursed for my time there. Get some wages along with it. But we've talked about that. And Well, what's, what's our motivation? Is it, we got to get this job because, you know, she's got to get this job because we need a little extra money? Or is her... Um, her motivation for choosing that because God wants her to witness. God has a call on her life and on each of our lives and is saying, I, you, can best, you can best accomplish the mission by making this choice to do that. Peter was all about the mission here. And he, was, he stood up among the brothers and sisters, by the way. That doesn't just mean the male people in the, in the church, but among all of the brothers and sisters, the, all the church. And he said, we need to make a decision based on the mission that God has given us. The mission. Sometimes it's hard to discern God's will. Just We have the Bible. We have His Word. We know what God has said. We know what is true. We want to make decisions that are consistent with His truth. And we want to make decisions that are consistent with the mission that we have. Um, but look what they did next. 
they put forward to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was called Justus, or you could say Justice if you want to, and Matthias. They identified a couple. These guys qualify. These two men right here qualify. They, they have been following the disciples. What, we didn't hear about them in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We don't really hear anything about them earlier on. But obviously these men had witnessed Jesus' ministry, His life, and they saw his death and they were there um, at his resurrection. They said, well, these guys qualify. And so what did they do next? Verse 24. And they prayed. Man, these disciples are doing a lot of praying. What's up with that? It, you would think that it was something important to them. They're praying last week. They're praying this week. What is this, what is this message in Acts going to be about? Prayer? Maybe. Maybe that's the message we need to hear. Because they didn't just, they didn't just go, well, I think the Bible says this, or well, here's our mission. They said, and they, they, had a, they had a pretty good idea of what they ought to do. But then they said, but we need, a, we need discernment. We need to be a little discerning about this. What are we going to do? We're going to pray about it. And that's what they did. They decided God's will based on prayer. They spent time praying together. We, um, I think our recent church history has done us a disservice in a lot of ways where we have focused Christian life and Christian being being a Christian we focused it on the individual we've made it so personal that we forget that we need each other that we are to, to be in community with one another that we are to pray together with one accord. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Should we read our Bibles on our own? Should we study God's Word on our own? Yes, there should be head nods. Yes, amen. Should we pray on our own? Should we spend time, me and God, praying? Absolutely. Absolutely. But don't miss out on the power of praying, praying with your brothers and sisters. Don't miss out on that. Look what they prayed. You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show us. You know the hearts of all. They prayed acknowledging, they prayed acknowledging that God was sovereign. They prayed acknowledging that God was the one who looked in hearts. God had the wisdom that they needed. God understood the situation far better than we could ever in and of ourselves. God sees it all. It, nothing takes Him by surprise. Nothing takes Him by surprise. Not uh, a, a, a carpet fiasco, or whatever you want to call it. Not, not a little hiccup. Not a little, oh, well, I guess we have, a, have to find a new meeting place. That didn't take him by surprise. God knew that. God knew what was going on. 
The church is still the church. But they also, they acknowledge God, they acknowledge His sovereignty, they acknowledge that He knew, and then they said, show us, God. Show us what to do. Show us what to decide. They prayed for the specific request. They really got specific. They didn't just say, well, let's just pray in some kind of general way about God's will in our lives, or let's just pray in a general way about happiness or, or success or uh, uh, growing. We, we pray for growth too, right? They got real specific. What are, what are the specific things that are going on in your life right now? What are the specific things that you have to decide about? That's why we're in community together. One of the things we're going to do this week in our missional communities is we're going to sit down together as we gather and we're going to ask that question. And then we're going to try to get specific because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what, that's what a community does. And we're going to pray specifically for that request. Notice, notice then what they did. They cast lots. Oh, what is this? They cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. We've got, we've got the Bible. We've got a mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You will be my witnesses. We've got a mission to make disciples to and the way we do that is through witness. We've got, the, we've got God's word here. We, we, we're not like um, some people in some parts of the world right now who are desperate to see God's word or to have God's word. We've got more Bibles than we know what to do with in most of our homes and in the United States. We've got the Bible. We've got the mission. Are we praying? Are we looking into those things to make decisions? Are we praying? And are we making decisions in community? So this is the part of the message that's most challenging. It's the most challenging to each and every one of us. How do you make decisions in community? How do you decide God's will in community? Well, you are in community. <laughs> you have to start by being in community with other people. You let your needs or requests be made known. Let's just start there. How many of us are, are eager to say, um, uh, I have a need. Um, I have a weakness. I have a difficulty. I am experiencing some challenges. Very few of us are willing to do that. But when Peter stood up, he stood up among the brothers and said, my brothers and sisters, we have a need. And it needs to be met. And it needs to be decided on in community. We have a need. You see, the, you saw there in verses 18 and 19 what happened to Judas. <laughs> and Luke fills in the, the gaps of the story and lets us know, yeah, this was the, this was the, the, the end of a person who, well, because of his own wickedness, 
and because of his own ambition and his own desires received the full full force of God's wrath in that situation. That's basically what he's saying here. And that's, that's the impact that it had on the disciples and it had on the early church as they thought about, wow, that's a, that's a warning. That's a good warning. A good warning to us. But that, that created a big, big need. That was a big problem. And Peter was willing to, to bring it up and willing to say, you know, I've got a request. I've got a need and it needs to be made known. Folks, we've got, to, we've got to be willing to risk sharing our needs with one another. We've got to be able to do that. And then when they, when they cast lots, when they cast lots in verse 26, this is interesting. The lot, the lot casting is something that was done throughout the Old Testament, actually. In fact, um, most... Uh, most uh, Biblical scholars believe that there's that the priests had a, a lot casting device called the umim and thumim. It's kind of weird Hebrew words, weird Hebrew names, but they had these, and it says that they made decisions with them. How did they do that? They believed, as the proverb says, the la- the lot is cast into the lap. But every decision comes from the Lord. God ordained that the Israelites would make decisions based on a simple uh, thing of, we've got these two, two stones, and they may have put them in a bag or something like that, or maybe they would have tossed them out and they would have said, whichever stone comes out first, or whichever stone turns up um, nearest uh, the individual that's the one we're going to choose. That's how we're going to make a choice. Boy, that, if, you, if you just look back in the history of Israel, you see that the lots were cast over and over and over again to make certain decisions. And the Bible, uh, clearly, the, the writers of the Bible clearly state that it was God making the decision in that case. It would be akin to us um, rolling dice or flipping a coin. I want us to be very careful right here. <laughs> I want us to be very careful in, in, in drawing out a meaning for us that, me, that basically comes down to, well, I don't know which school to attend or which job to accept or which person to marry. So I'll just flip a coin. And, well, I guess I'm going to marry Susie. You know? Guess Cheryl, I guess, uh, tough luck. I, I cast lots. I did what God said to do in this Bible, so I'm good to go. But no, what they did was it was a community event based on God's revealed word to that point. And I think that's significant too. It's also significant that this is the last time that casting lots is mentioned or used or talked about at all in the history of the church. That's also, at least in the New Testament church. I think that's significant too. But what they did was they came together, and I want to put it to you this way. They listened to godly counsel. They understood his word, and they listened to counsel. 
um, this last um, Friday night I met with, uh, well, Cheryl and I met with uh, uh, some friends of ours um, in a marriage accountability group. We meet together once a month. We have dinner together. We, um, we pray with each other. We encourage each other. Um, we, are, we confess our sins to each other. <laughs> in, in, our sins in our marriage. Um, it's, such a, it's such a rewarding time, but part of the time um, that we've found a lot of encouragement from is when the women can get together and pray and share together, and the men, uh, we split up and go in different rooms, and the men, we can share together, and we say, here's, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I'm being challenged by. Here's where I'm struggling. And I, men, would you pray for me? And I, re- I shared with them a decision that I'm trying to make right now. So I'm trying to make a decision, and, and here's my decision, and would you guys pray for me about it? And as I shared it with them, immediately they began to give me godly counsel. They began to speak into my life. They began to say, well, Michael, um, here's what I observe about your life right now. Here's, here are the things that, that I see going on, and if you were to decide this, would that have an impact? Would that have a negative impact on the rest of your life? And I, uh, I, I, w- I knew they were going to say that. <laughs> That's the thing. I knew they were going to tell me that. I knew that they were going to give me that kind of feedback. I didn't really want to hear it. But I took the risk of sharing it anyway. I took the risk of revealing the need, revealing the struggle. And they gave me godly counsel. And I can't ignore it. I've got to consider it. I also, to say, I also have to consider uh, uh, God's Word. I also have to consider the mission. The whatever choice I make, is that going to be good for the mission that God has called us to? And I've got to decide it in prayer as well. And so they prayed for me and with me, and we prayed together. Um, folks, how do we, how do we, how do we do um, God's will. How do we make decisions? We do it based on His revealed Word. We do it consistent with the mission that He's called us with. We do it in prayer and in community. We've got to be in community. We've got to be in prayer. We've got to be looking to the truth. We can't afford it. You, you can't afford it. God's glory is too great. God's glory is too great for us to decide our own way. God's glory is too great for us as a church to decide, we're just going to go do this because it seems like the right thing to do or because another church is doing it this way. So we've got to do it like this too. We've got to decide these things together. Woe be to me if I don't keep preaching the Bible. Woe be to me if I don't keep preaching the mission. Woe be to me if I don't keep saying, we need to be in prayer. Woe be to me if I say, if I ever say, well, community is not all that important now. How are we going to decide? What decision do you need to make right now? Maybe you need to make a decision this morning, today, some way, shape, or form. I don't know what it is. Maybe you want to come and pray with me. 
Um, we're going to go into our time of response. We'll sing a song. We'll uh, sing along. Or maybe you can sit silently in prayer or stand and pray or come kneel at the front and pray or maybe you do need to come and share something with me that I can uh, pray uh, with you about and encourage you with. God, we, we, people, we serve, we serve a great God who has done everything for us. What more do we need? What more do we need? We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are broken, but we're not destroyed. We are, we are in, in distress, but we're not killed. We have, all, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing greatness does not belong in us. It is not in us. It is not in who you are. It is in Christ. And when Christ is in us, it transforms everything about us. That is good news. That is good news. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we will be able to walk away from here in whatever way you want us to. Quite frankly, because for some of us like myself, um, this message is very close to home. For others of us, we may feel encouraged. Um, for others of us, we may feel chastened. God, and, and you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. God, you do what you got to do. You do what you have to do in each of our lives. And you speak to us, and, and God will make no apologies for it. Why? Because you're great. Because you're good. Your wisdom surpasses all of our combined minds. Your greatness and your glory is worth far more than the offense of the gospel. So we just give it all to you, God. We know that when you're glorified, our joy will increase. And when our joy in you increases, God, you are even more glorified. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.